last Sunday Hopi had a panel meeting and discussion regarding the war tensions with Iran following the execution of General Soleimani. Hopi, the Hands of the People of Iran campaign, is an campaign organizing solidarity with the Iranian workers' movement against imperialism but also against the theocratic dictatorship in Tehran. Look for more information on the Hopi website, which is linked in the description. The recording is split up in several pieces, of which the discussion is by far the longest. If you are listening to this in a podcast app which supports chapters, you can move along and skip the discussion if you like. Or watch the time codes in the description. ...fear of this happening. Um, and of course, uh, we know uh, about um, the, the revenge of Iran. Um, we, uh, I'll talk uh, more extensively about that. Um, but the reaction this weekend is... Uh, a reaction inevitably by um, students, by opponents of the regime, some not, um, uh, if you like, anti-regime people, even people within the factions of the ruling circles, uh, protesting about the shooting down of the civilian plane. Um, Not as large as last week's, but still a reflection of um, opposition, not just to the United States, but the problems people have with the incompetence, with corruption, with attempts at lying and deceiving, which were, uh, which I think have made people more angry than the actual dialing of the plan. So if we wanted a vindication of Hopi's position regarding the events of the last 10 days, I don't think we could have had a better situation. Uh, sad, terrible, but in some ways, it vindicates what we have been saying. Of course, we have to, first and foremost, stand against US aggression in the region, and in Iran in particular, where the United States has identified Iran to be the main enemy. But we cannot forget that uh, the Iranian people have an enemy within their own borders, and that is what they have been saying in the demonstrations of the last two days, at least. So, in order to avoid repeating what I've already written, let me start with Soleimani's assassination. Um, first of all, um, whoever writing was uh, seriously deluded, uh, the, now we have a bit more information than when I wrote the article. Uh, the U.S. press claims it was Pompeo, and Israel had some role in giving intelligence to the United States. Moshe knows more about that. Um, in, I spoke to someone, coincidentally, who was writing for the New York Times. He was telling me that in Pentagon and the State Department, officials were horrified. They just uh, had no idea this was going to be happening. And there had been no, as one paper, one, I think New York Times put it, there had been no risk assessment, which when you, go to, when you talk about the Middle East, is quite serious. It's not like working in a kitchen and falling on the floor. Uh, my guess, based on decisions that happened last week, the State Department froze connection and banned its officials from talking or 
um, meeting any member of regime change opposition, including the royalists, including the Mujahideen, and this new uh, phenomena they've created, transition for change in Iran. Uh, my understanding is that they have told Pompeo if there is a, a, a massive action, if there is a, 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 an assassination, a bomb somewhere, the regime is very fragile, it will collapse overnight. It, co it will collapse very shortly. And of course, we know this didn't happen. Instead, the government could put these large um, uh, demonstrations that the government could show its strengths inside the country. Um, we also now know that another general was targeted. Uh, he wasn't, um, uh, he was safe, he, they, they didn't get him. And then we have this imminent threat, the story um, put forward by Trump, CNN, Washington Post are saying the story has changed so many times about what was exactly this imminent threat that no one, including Republicans who voted in the Congress to uh, limit Trump's uh, position in terms of uh, how to react to um, any potential Iranian retaliation, um, the Republican number of Republicans increased from what I can guess. Moshe sent me a very useful article from uh, Craig Murray, and he talks about this uh, Bethlehem threat, where apparently Bethlehem threat, where apparently you basically uh, create this uh, imminent threat that is neither imminent nor possible nor likely. Uh, it's basically a figment of the imagination of whoever is putting it forward, and you produce this uh, as a possible reason for assassinations. Um, assassinations like this are an act of war. You can't uh, deny it, and an act of war has a response. Um, its effect in terms of uh, uh, international, regional politics was exactly the opposite. I have, I just referred to the fact that Iraqis did vote, the Iraqi parliament did vote for the US troops to go out. It's going to be a long process, but it doesn't look as if Soleimani being there or not being there would have made any difference on that issue. Maybe there is more rallying around the Shia groups now than there was before. In Lebanon, the Christian Maronites um, are apparently, am and the Druze are amongst those mourning Soleimani, because rightly or wrongly in Lebanon, the illusion or the fact had been created that he stopped IS from uh, attacking the country. Um, and this is all because US itself promoted Soleimani as the man who defeated Islamic State. So who is happy? Islamic State is quite happy. As far as I can tell, they've even issued a statement. I, I don't think they've congratulated Trump, but they could have. And so there you are. That's where we are with the uh, Soleimani threat. In Iran, um, the talk throughout the processions, the uh, commemoration of Soleimani was that there will be uh, uh, revenge. That was the, the main comments, that there will be um, revenge. Um, there was also 
the genuine anger amongst the crowds that the leader of the so-called free world had threatened them with bombing. And you could see that in the protest. You could hear that. And then came the inevitable. The inevitable are the mistakes of the Islamic Republic, but not just their mistakes. Their deliberate attitude uh, to lie, to deceive people, as well as the general concept, as far as Iran's Islamic Republic is concerned, human life don't matter. First, we had the um, stampede in Kerman, 56 people. I mean, it's quite a serious matter. You take a procession, which is supposed to be a morning procession, you don't take necessary measures. Uh, a reporter speaking from Kerman was quoted, I heard him saying that the city had no capacity for the numbers who arrived. So about 1,200,000 arrived in a city that is, um, uh, no, the procession was about 1,200,000 and the city itself is much smaller, it's 800, and of course not everyone was on the procession. They didn't close the right, they didn't find the right route, one road was quite blocked and uh, so many people lost their lives. But the serious revenge was late night uh, Wednesday, early morning, Thursday. Um, from what I have gathered, the US knew about it. Now, whether this was because Iran had already told Iraq, Norway, and a number of other people that it was going to attack these particular two bases is, a, a, is debatable. One thing is certain, there was every effort was made that no US citizen, no US military, no European, because the Norwegians, I think, are peacekeepers. I'm not quite sure what they're doing, but they are in the, in the bases. And no Iraqi would be killed. The only persons they didn't seem to worry about was the plight of Iraqis. That was the only um, subject that didn't uh, matter. Uh, so here we have what I would call a symbolic missile launch. Symbolic in that, yes, it has a significance. I, it is the first time, as people keep telling me, it is the first time that a third world country, at least in recent times, has uh, sent cruise mis missiles against the U.S. base and got away with it, by apparently. Um, but throughout this period and immediately in, in the aftermath of this uh, revenge, uh, passenger planes were leaving the main airports in Iran, in Tehran and in other cities. Every few minutes I looked because there were so many debates on Thursday and Friday about whether it was a missile, whether it was an accident, whether what the black box would say and all the rest of it. I looked up at a map that the air, uh, uh, airport authorities put out and the sky over Iran was full of planes. Um, uh, Mike rightly pointed out to me that given that the United States started an act of war, um, this particular incident is their responsibility. I agree, but that's not how people in Iran see it, especially because of the way the government lied about it. So for three days, although they knew this was their fault, they must have known on Wednesday morning that that was their fault. Despite that, they lied until uh, Saturday morning. And Saturday morning, um, the statement came and Followed by that, we had all the explanations. The Supreme Leader wasn't aware. 
he only found out Friday afternoon. Um, Karodi, who is one of the leaders of, former leaders of the Green Movement, um, has probably summed it up well. When um, the Supreme Leader is Commander-in-Chief of the Army, either his lack of knowledge is the fact that he's incompetent, or um, he's lying. In both cases, he's, he should resign. So we have seen yesterday crowds with the slogans, resign, resign. That is not clear, in my opinion, who they are addressing. Are they referring to the commanders of revolutionary guards? Are they referring to the supreme leader? Uh, the crowds are confused in Iran, and I think we have to be very clear about that. There is a mood of anger, there is a mood of anti-war protest, but there is also a lot of confusion understandable given the terrible state of the Iranian opposition, and I will come to the Iranian opposition, in particular the left, which is a disaster completely. Um, are they talking in, in, um, in terms of Rouhani resigning? Then we have people with the slogan referendum. Lots of people are talking of a referendum. Again, is this a reference to Rouhani's proposal for a referendum? Is this a referendum about the future of the Islamic Republic, we don't know. There are also demonstrators for the overthrow of the regime. And again, as one of my comrades, Comrade Torov, has put out, well, fine, we can say overthrow of the regime. We can say, let's build a barricade. The, 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 the serious question is, overthrow of the regime for what? Um, and who is going to replace this? So all of these are questions for Iranians, for the opposition to deal with. Um, none of this reduces the importance of the demonstrations yesterday and today. They are mainly young people. The passengers on the plane were, uh, many of them, postgraduates returning from winter break. Um, almost all of the passengers were Iranian. You keep hearing about Canadians and British, uh, the, the Canadians and the three British, as far as I can tell from the names, were all Iranians. Uh, they had either dual nationality or they were, um, if you like, um, born in Canada, but from Iranian descent. They all have that. Uh, the crew were Ukrainian, and my guess is there were about half a dozen non-Iranian passengers. So the people who were, uh, so there are, the issue, the issue is the relatives of people who were on the plane and who have lost their uh, relatives, but also protests about the lie. The lie is important because it symbolizes everything else that the Islamic Republic does. So we still don't know how many people died in the protest of 2000, November 2019. Amnesty said 200, then moved it to 300. Reuters claims 1,500. Uh, I have I've read the Reuters report. To be honest, it's as unreliable as the imminent threat at Trump. But uh, because you, there's no named sources, these are supposedly people very close to revolutionary guards and the supreme leader. Uh, but uh, I I don't believe uh, that. However, I don't either believe the government that says. We are not going to tell you how many people died in protests that we uh, opened fire on, and that is the problem. 
uh, and I think it's this lack of uh, 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 there is clearly a base for this government within the ranks that either of its civilian or military forces um, but uh, it treats the rest of the 90% of the population as if their lives don't matter, as if their problems don't matter. Um, there was already uh, furious opposition about sanctions, about the loss of jobs and so on. And I understand that sanctions are not uh, Iran's will, it's the United States that has imposed those sanctions. But the problem remains that uh, people also see the corruption and cronyism that has created multimillionaires out of the black market created by these sanctions. So it's not one way. So what next? I think the heavy security today showed that in the short term, it will be difficult to go back to large protests that the regime can survive. Uh, there is no doubt its regional allies are uh, emboldened. Some people keep saying that this will be uh, that this will pave the way for peace because surely people must see that uh, this is going nowhere. There is the U.S. hasn't decided to retaliate, so we might have peace. I think that is both a simplistic uh, um, view of the world, and also um, I take a, a side with those who say. The Iranian, only the Iranian government came to its senses and made peace. Apart from the fact that the Iranian government uh, lives in loves crisis and cannot live without crisis, and therefore is unlikely to move towards resolving the issue, the main question remains that the United States does not want a peace with Iran's Islamic Republic. A, there is the question of revenge. The 52 is still shows the mentality of Republicans and the US uh, uh, administration in terms of the hostage taking of 1979. They are still committed to taking revenge for, 50, for, the, uh, for the Iranian revolution, but also for the embassy event. But also, uh, there is no Cold War. Who would buy US arms? The US, the main military uh, companies made 14, their shares rose up $14 billion on Friday, but according to the eye on Friday. So we are talking of huge money. Who would buy US arms if there was no threat of war with Iran? Saudi Arabia would need it. What would they do with Israel? What would be the raison d'etre of Israel if Iran's Islamic Republic had made peace? So it's complicated issues, and let's not simplify it by saying, if only the Iranian leaders were reasonable, rational people and did make peace, everything would be resolved. Will, will the workers' struggles continue? Not likely in the current situation. Why do we have the students as the main force? Because the working class has been attacked terribly. Most of its activists are in prison. Some of them were given 11 years for supporting the strike in uh, sugarcane factory workers in March of 2019. Um, is the working class in a position to strike? No, the industries have collapsed. The industries are, have stopped. There is no, no active 
econ the economy is in almost frozen. So we can't have that. I don't see that. Uh, but yes, I think protests will continue because of the economic situation, because the new sanctions, which now cover uh, a boycott of entire in Iran's airspace, is one of the things being considered, because it's dangerous, um, will create opposition, will create demands for change inside the country. Uh, I will hopefully be able to answer questions about the opposition. But let me say that the sad state of the Iranian left in exile is that it has so, it has become so engrossed in regime change that it now doesn't even want to criticize Trump or the United, or the US politics, nor does it want to take on royalists or the majority. For example, if you criticize the Mujahideen or the, the Shah, ex-Shah's son, who luckily the demonstrators of yesterday gave a real good answer to, their slogan was, no Shah, no supreme leader. Down with the Islamic run. But even when you criticize... No king, no bishop. No king, no bishop, exactly. Uh, but when you criticize Reza Pahlavi, leftists attack you. Are you supporting the Islamic Republic? No idiot. And then they say, oh no, this is exactly like today. Today supported the Islamic Republic. No idiot. You are today's today. You are becoming today's today. Because you are telling us, form a united front with royalists, with regime change people, so that we all unite against dictatorship. Then we'll decide what to do. Well, that's exactly what today did with the Islamists. They formed the United Front with Khomeini, and then they, they became part of the establishment until Khomeini decimated all of the opposition, and then it was their turn to be attacked. Now you are telling us to support royalists <coughs> because the bringing down the dictatorship is the only thing that matters. Who cares about the United States? Who cares about the royalists? And this is the sad state of the majority of the Iranian left. I warned when they went with Iran tribunal, people didn't listen. Now look what has happened to the Iranian left. There are exceptions. I have made those very clear. Some comrades in uh, Hopi are that exception. I have always said comrade Chalguni is an exception. I would say Farab Salis is an exception. The rest of them, I really don't know. I'm very scared of where they stand and what they say. That's all I have to say. Weekly collected uh, remarks uh, about the Israeli aspect of this uh, situation with Iran. Um, the first observation is that I, I think someone in the, it may, may be Yasmin or, or someone else in the, in the current weekly worker commented that if on the face of it, it seems like what the United States has been doing, the, the assassination basically, uh, is a confirmation of uh, the theory that I uh, called it what Israeli tail wags American dog. Uh, it, it, it looks superficially like it, but actually if you, if you look into it, it seems it does exactly the opposite because it shows you 
that there is no need for the Israeli tail to wag the American dog, because the American dog is doing uh, for its own reasons, uh, not not because of of Israeli pressure or Israeli influence on on the, uh, Trump. Uh, what what it, it would have done if, if if Israel were really running American policy. Um, you can see if you look at the details of of the the, the procedure that led to the assassination, uh, the the, uh, the way the way it was decided, the way it, it, it happened, it, it was the, it was very little Israeli involvement in it. In fact, I mean, there was some. Uh, uh, I read today in Haaretz. You see that uh, Israeli press is, is censored on on issues like this. So whenever they want to, to say to make a revelation on issues involving security and uh, related matters, they uh, always cite foreign sources. They say according to foreign sources, but, but if you know how to read the Israeli press, you know that, that they are actually claiming it and they, they only say it because they, 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 there was a big struggle at one point because uh, uh, formerly, uh, the Israeli uh, press was censored even, even if it wanted foreign sources for whatever piece of news. But that, you know, became ridiculous because, you know, all the world knew what, what uh, Reuters was saying, but you were not allowed to uh, report it in the Israeli press. So finally, they arrived at the formula where you are allowed to quote foreign sources, but you're not allowed to uh, uh, make it seem as though, as though it's uh, 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 your own journalistic uh, uh, revelation. Anyway, so uh, what it amounts to is that, first of all, Netanyahu was the only, as far as I know, the only uh, uh, leader of a, of a, uh, a country that, that was informed of their assassination in advance. Uh, Boris Johnson was not, nor was Macron. Uh, but uh, he, he was informed because, because uh, the uh, Americans needed Israeli confirmation for their intelligence. Israel did not supply the original intelligence about the movements of, of uh, 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 Soleimani. Um, the Americans knew at one point, they had their own intelligence according to NBC, uh, when, from their own sources, when uh, the plane, the, the plane was going from Damascus to Baghdad. They knew when the plane was, was uh, uh, scheduled to leave. They asked for Israeli confirmation, just to, as, as, a, as, a, as a backup. Uh, they, they wanted to make, uh, sure that uh, that their intelligence was correct, and Israel uh, in independently uh, tracks uh, uh, Soleimani and many other people, uh, uh, and so uh, the Israel was asked to supply confirmation for the information that the Americans had uh, in any case. So th this is this is the Israeli involvement also. Israel and I believe the Philippines are the only countries where the assassination actually was, was welcomed 
by the authorities and by by uh, the uh, general public, uh, led by by the local press. So that is, you know, that that is the the actual involvement of Israel. It, it, it didn't need to. I I actually uh, have a, a slightly different view of the. Uh, uh, Possibilities of some kind of of settlement, you know, arrangement between the United States and uh, Iran. Of course, it depends on many, you know, contingencies. But as the the uh, <coughs> treaty on on uh, uh, nu uh, the nuclear uh, uh, treaty between the United States and other Western countries and Iran under Obama proved there are circumstances in which the United States and Iran can make a kind of deal. Um, I think the Israeli um, uh, hostility to Iran is more far-reaching than, than the American one. In principle, the Americans, I think, under certain circumstances, would be, uh, it would be acceptable for them to, to make a, an arrangement with Iran, provided Iran, Iran would come in, into the fold and, and behave as, a, as an American uh, 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 ally or, or uh, uh, if you like, an obedient client. Um, it would involve giving Iran, as as a major power in the Middle East, some kind of some kind of, uh, as it were, respect. Uh, not not making it uh, sort of uh, take a, a really humiliating uh, position in the American. Uh, scheme of things. I think Israel would uh, be hostile to such an uh, arrangement because Iran is a major uh, 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 competitor, a major um, obstacle to Israeli local hegemony. See, the Americans would, I think, in, in principle, under certain circumstances, would accept Iran as, as a, a subordinate. But as a subordinate, not necessarily in a, in a very sort of lowly position. But for, for Israel, this, this would be hard to swallow. There are other uh, aspects, um, I think, more, more uh, far-reaching, which I would like to uh, talk about later, um, a broader picture and, and make some let us say, uh, uh, draw a scenario which may uh, come through in the near future or maybe uh, uh, much later, but I think uh, it is something that is worth bearing in mind, uh, which is the uh, Israeli intentions, why Israel uh, needs a, a war against uh, Iran, uh, and the uh, implications for uh, various, you know, regional uh, um, actors, including Jordan the, and and uh, Saudi Arabia, I'll come to that later. But before that, I just want to uh, draw your attention to the fact 
that uh, the style of this uh, assassination was very Israeli. In the sense that Israel is by far among all Western countries, all so-called democratic countries, uh, the champion assassinator. Uh, there are two uh, entries in Wikipedia which deal with it. One is uh, generally uh, you can find it uh, under targeted killing killings by Israeli defense forces, strike methods. Um, and it, it gives a variety of uh, ways in which Israel assassinated uh, various, various uh, uh, people he didn't like. Uh, I, I will mention some of them because I mean, the methods have been very uh, varied. There is also another entry in Wikipedia which is a list of Israeli assassinations. And it lists virtually hundreds of, of <coughs> cases. I mean, it, this is uh, unbelievable. If you if you uh, haven't followed the, the news, because some of these assassinations have not been reported. So let me let me. Uh, uh, by the way, even these lists are not complete. For example, they don't mention the most important assassination because there has it has never been proved. But I mean, the, the evidence. Uh, circumstantial evidence and, uh, is so clear uh, that uh, it is uh, unbelievable that it was not an assassination and that is Yasser Arafat mm -hmm. in 2004 mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, as far as one can tell a, a victim of assassination by radioactive poison because he was checked for all kinds of, of normal diseases and uh, was all, everything was negative, but uh, all the symptoms indicated that it was like the, the uh, Russian uh, method of, of plutonium or something similar. Uh, many, uh, I mean, most of these assassinations have been uh, described as the, the uh, American one as preventive, but. Uh, in most cases, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, how could, if, if so take the case of Soleimani, if he, if he was, what, what, what kind of operation did it prevent? He wasn't actually going to perform anything personally. So if you, if you kill, if he, was, he is a commander, a general. Uh, if he had a, a, a worked out plans of doing something that the Americans wanted to prevent, assassinating him is, is, not, is not able to prevent it. He, he's, got, he's got deputies, he's got, he's got a whole staff. Uh, if, if the plans have been worked out, then they, they will go further anyway. In some cases, uh, the uh, Israeli assassination actually caused uh, the things that uh, um, they were meant to prevent. Uh, the, the most uh, uh, outstanding, uh, 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 obvious case was the assassination of Yahya Iyash, uh, 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 who was uh, uh, an engineer 
a bomb maker in, in Gaza Strip, um, he, the method of his assassination was uh, that was that happened in 1996. Uh, some somebody, uh, an agent, actually gave him a cell phone as uh, uh, as a present, and the cell phone had the bomb in it. And uh, then uh, uh, the Israelis made a call to the the uh, cell phone, and his head blew up. Uh, was now, as a direct revenge for this, there, there were many Israeli casualties of a suicide bombing. There, there weren't so many before uh, this guy was assassinated. He was uh, one of the people who constructed bombs. But uh, his assassination actually led to uh, more Israeli casualties than he had been responsible for. Uh, uh, before, before then, um, let let me mention some some of the cases. Uh, 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 it, in in most cases, it was clear that uh, the assassinations were a, a matter of revenge. Uh, that was uh, clear in the in the uh, so-called Operation Wrath of God against uh, the Black September organization, who were responsible for the. Uh, 1972 uh, Munich Olympics uh, massacre. Um, also, uh, a poor uh, waiter, a North African waiter in Lillehammer in, in Norway, was assassinated because he was mistaken by somebody uh, who was a, a member of Black September. And that, that is a well-known and admitted error. <coughs> Quite apart from the fact that many of these assassinations involved a lot of bystanders, as this one in, in the Soleimani as well. There were mm. several people uh, killed who were not a uh, uh, target. Um, so uh, now, uh, uh, in, in 1978, Wadi Haddad, a PFLP uh, leader, one of the leaders, uh, who was claimed to be responsible for the Entebbe hijacking, was uh, killed by a poison in his toothpaste. Uh, there are strange uh, uh, and bizarre methods of assassination, um, including uh, uh, missiles from helicopters, um, uh, I mentioned Yahya Ayash, that was in 1996. Uh, the, let me see the, 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 the most uh, egregious uh, um, assassinations. Um, yeah, uh, 
there was this, you know, uh, uh, this uh, leader of, of Hamas uh, killed by uh, a wanton bomb dropped on his, on his uh, house, which killed his whole family and, and a, a, a few neighbors mm -hmm. as well. Uh, the, the list goes on. I mean, uh, 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 the, there was this uh, assassination in, in one of the Gulf countries where uh, a leader of uh, uh, Islamic Jihad was assassinated by two Israelis pretending to be Australians and came in on, on uh, false passports and, and killed him, you know, uh, shot him dead in, in, in his hotel. Um, yeah. Um, yes, I mean, the, 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 the uh, person I mentioned before was Salah Mustafa uh, Muhammad Shahadeh, uh, killed by one ton bomb. That was in July 2002 in Gaza. Uh, and together with him, 11 civilians, uh, people were not targeted, uh, were uh, uh, killed. I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, it's just uh, 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 very distasteful to actually list all of them. And, and, and the, the various methods used to uh, assassinate, including poisoning. Ah, the, the, uh, I, I should really mention one that got away, uh, and that was um, uh, that happened in in Jordan. Just a moment. Uh, I think his name was Michal. He was uh, 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 he uh, he was um, uh, poisoned. I mean, there was a. a, a, a a bullet, a poison, a poison uh, uh, bullet or something, uh, uh, or, or some, you know, the, the kind of thing that they use in, in order to, to uh, uh, capture animals in Africa, uh, a doubt, oh, yeah. a, a poison doubt, that, that is the word, he was, he was shot by a poison doubt, uh, but, uh, before he died, bystanders managed to capture the Israeli agent. That was in Amman, in, in Jordan. He was visiting Amman. Uh, the bystanders managed to capture his uh, uh, assassins, would-be assassins. And the king of Jordan <coughs> demanded an antidote or else you know, we'll, we'll have these two assassins for, for murder. And Israel immediately sent an antidote, and this guy survived. So this is, this, this was a, a, an exceptional, uh, <coughs> let me see if I can if I can find the, the date. I mean, I've got the, such a big list of the... Ah, yes, yes. Uh, Khalid Mashal, a leader of Hamas in Jordan, that was in 1997, uh, failed <laughs> in the list. Yeah, and the, way, the, the reason it failed, that it's not stated in the, in the uh, Wikipedia how it failed, but th that is how it failed.
Yes, and then, then there is a separate uh, uh, list. Actually, assassination, Israeli assassinations go back to the uh, uh, 1950s uh, against uh, nuclear scientists who were working in, in Egypt. And then they went on, for, you know, during the 70s as well. Um, and the same uh, also against uh, uh, scientists in the Iranian uh, nuclear industry. Uh, I, I think it's clear that Iran was ne was not actually uh, uh, planning to construct a, a bomb, but it was uh, planning to uh, reach a situation where it was capable of construct uh, 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 nuclear bomb readiness, as it's called. Um, uh, and Israel was very keen to prevent it. And apart from using various uh, cyber attacks on the on the uh, IT. Uh, <coughs> network of the, the Iranian industry was also involved some uh, assassinations of nuclear scientists. Okay, well this is, you know, I, I, I want to leave this this uh, 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 distasteful list and I, I want to uh, uh, make, take this opportunity, opportunity to make some kind of prediction uh, that uh, I think is likely to happen at some stage, although whether it, it will happen in the very near future depends on circumstances. And that is the, the uh, uh, plan that uh, uh, Israel is uh, preparing to implement in case of a war in the Middle East. I said that Israel has an interest in a, uh, uh, making Iran uh, or uh, di disabling Iran as, as a competitor. Uh, but it's also the case that Israel needs a war, some kind of war in the Middle East, and the most, most likely is against Iran uh, in order to implement uh, plans that don't directly involve Iran, but involve uh, uh, Israeli expansionist plans uh, in Palestinian territory. The, uh, I think it is becoming clear that Israel is um, really uh, getting ready to annex uh, large parts of the West Bank in the uh, near or foreseeable future. Um, they have, they have uh, avoided annexing uh, the uh, uh, densely populated areas of the West Bank. I mean, the Gaza Strip is, a, is another matter. I mean, the, the, the point is Israel is interested in territory, but not in, in the populated territory. The, the population is, is a, 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 a nuisance, something to be gotten rid of. Now, the, the, the territory of the Gaza Strip is not really very interesting for Israel. It's, it's small and it's densely populated. The, I don't think there is a, 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 any real plan to annex it in the, in the near future. I think that the, the policy there is to make it unlivable and to uh, uh, create a situation where uh, the people will just uh, leave. 
there is a, a increasing uh, pressure within the Israeli uh, uh, ruling right-wing coalition for uh, annexing the uh, uh, sizable parts of the West Bank. The problem is what to do with the uh, population. <coughs> if Israel annexes uh, the, the more densely populated areas in the West Bank, uh, that would create what Israel regards as a demographic danger, demographic peril. Uh, 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 Israeli Jews will be outnumbered by Palestinian Arabs. If not outnumbered, at least in the very near future, the, the uh, balance of population would be uh, that, uh, uh, nearly equal. But in the, in the uh, foreseeable future, actually, uh, the uh, Israeli Jews will not be a, a majority. So they, they have to find uh, some means of dealing with this problem. <coughs> the old plan, which has uh, been attributed to Sharon, but it's really a sort of a, a, a contingency plan in, in the Israeli, uh, 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 let's say, in the drawers. They have planned to keep in the drawer is to uh, expel the uh, sizable number of uh, Palestinians from the West Bank to Jordan. This, of course, will destabilize Jordan. The idea is to make Jordan as uh, Palestine. The, the new part, the, the, uh, Jordan will be decla declared as the Palestinian state. Uh, this plan, uh, I mean, if you go back to the time when Sharon was uh, was uh, Prime Minister of Israel, this was a, a plan attributed to him. Make Jordan the new Palestine. The, the problem with it is that in order to uh, achieve this, you need two things. First of all, you need a, a conflagration in the Middle East. This cannot be done in normal circumstances. Tomorrow, if, if Israel you know, starts uh, uh, ethnically cleansing big parts of, of the West Bank, that, that, that will not uh, uh, be uh, accepted. Uh, you need a situation of war in which, for example, there is unrest in the West Bank and then as a, as a uh, way of dealing with it, uh, major ethnic cleansing will take place. This, these plans, by the way, have been reported. If you look at the uh, Sunday Telegraph, I think it's from uh, March 2002, there's a, an article by an Israeli strategist uh, detailing this, this plan as a contingency plan. It was actually planned, 2002 was the, the, the year when it was clear that, that the United States was going to invade Iraq. I mean, the decision was, was taken then, and uh, a possible invasion of Iraq is mentioned in this article. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, the, the, the point was that uh, this will, will create a, a, a more situation in the Middle East, uh, which can be used as a small screen for major uh, uh, ethnic cleansing towards Jordan. 
Um, it didn't come to pass because the Iraq war somehow ended too quickly. I mean, you remember uh, Bush standing on this uh, uh, warship and saying, you know, we have won. Of course, the war went on uh, for a long time inside Iraq, but this was not a major regional thing. It was it was a, a thrashing of the, of the Iraqi state. Uh, okay, uh, the, so it, it it would require a war, which Iran could be the most likely uh, target uh, as as the enemy, um, and it would require also destabilizing Jordan and getting rid of the Jordanian monarchy. Now, strangely enough, or not strangely, uh, if you follow carefully what the uh, uh, press is reporting, there is a worsening, somehow inexplicable worsening of relations between Israel and Jordan. Israel and Jordan have a peace treaty which dates back quite a few years. And suddenly there is a feeling, you know, that, that something is not right. Uh, something is not right because, because I mean, let me read, read you. This is a recent uh, uh, head, uh, headline in Haaretz. Israeli right, the right is the, the, the actually uh, the, the governing coalition, wants end to peace with Jordan. Why would that be? Uh, this is this is connected with Israel's, uh, uh, I think, widely reported alliance with Saudi Arabia. Uh, if you know the history of the Middle East, let us go back to uh, the 1920s. The uh, uh, ruling dynasty. I'm sorry for the sudden cut here. The, there was an issue with recording. Let me take the opportunity to ask you for a donation. Hopi supports workers' organizations in Iran. If you want to help out with that kind of work, please visit hopoi.org or follow the link in the description. Now, back to the last bit with Moshe Machova. In Aris, um, and in other Israeli newspapers, the plan is. Uh, at some point to overthrow the Hashemite monarchy in Jordan with the support of Saudi Arabia to uh, ethnically cleanse a big number of Palestinians from the West Bank and as a prize to give to Saudi Arabia finally custodianship of the third holy place of Islam in place of Jordan. Okay. So this is, I mean, if you follow the, the press and, and see that uh, 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 King Abdullah II of, of Jordan is, is making all sorts of worried noise, Some, something is going to happen. They are going to change this, the, the status of the Holy Mountain. In, uh, uh, relations with Israel are worsening. And you wonder why. Well, this is, this is I think, the background. Okay, if you feel that this is... Uh, 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 too extreme. This is this is uh, science fiction. This is the plan of the uh, regular uh, right-wing uh, coalition in Israel. The lunatic fringe have a, 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 a more far-reaching uh, plan. What to do with the holy mountain? 
and that is to blow up the, the I mean, I've, I've written uh, several articles on this, and there is evidence that they are making, I mean, the, the, the real, real fanatics are making preparations to blow up the uh, Dome of the Rock and the Laksa Mosque, which is the, the, the third holy place of Islam, and make a place for the th third Jewish temple. Uh, this may or may not happen. It, 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 there was an attempt uh, in, during the late 1970s and early eight, uh, 80s, but the people were caught by the Israeli security service and, and were tried for terrorism. But they are now much stronger, much bigger, and much closer to, to political power. So this, this is the real sort of uh, uh, fanatics. But the, the, the normal right-wingers, all they want is to change the, the uh, ownership of the, the uh, holy places of Islam on the, on the Dome of the Rock. And, um, as as, as a, a, a prize for Saudi Arabia, uh, for its support for the overthrow of the Hashemite monarchy, which I think the Saudis would love because they are, you know, they are traditional enemies, so uh, it's, it's a likely partnership. Now, whether it's going to, to happen uh, next week or next year or, or, or some, sometime later, but uh, I don't think you can dismiss these, these plans as, as uh, simply uh, imaginary. There is quite solid evidence that something along these lines is being planted. Watch this space. Well, I, if, uh, uh, people could put their hands up if they want to ask a question or indicate that I will have to say point to X unless I know people off the top of my head. Um, I, uh, well, it's not a question. Um, interesting item of fact, we went on the um, No War with Iran demo yesterday and uh, supposed to move off at 12 o'clock from Broadcasting House. We got there quarter past 12 and we thought it had moved off because there uh, seemed to be hardly anybody there. And uh, so uh, then we went on the march and landed up in Trafalgar Square and uh, it was interesting to uh, quite back to old times in a way uh, Corbyn addressing a crowd considerably less than a thousand people that's what there, you know, it reminded us of a kind of local demo up in Islington or something like that, really. So we're not a great deal of interest, really, in this. Our old pals there from the CPB were there, like Mary Decedes and Alex Gordon and all that lot. But uh, not very many people at all. Uh, coming back to... Uh, uh, Trump. Everybody's demonizing Trump, aren't they, really? And uh, if you go back to, um, shall we say, 1932, 33, um, the class didn't change, did it? But they got in a more desperate position. And so they had to have the um, hit, uh, Hitler and his crowd in. Hitler was in the habit of chewing the carpet when he got a bit mad and that sort of thing. 
Uh, Trump hasn't chewed the carpet yet, but the United States is in a considerably difficult position at the moment. Motown, Detroit, is no longer Motown. I don't, I don't know how many motors are made there anymore, but it's lost, it's lost its industrial monopoly. It's in a really hell of a state at the moment, and that's the reason the ruling class have called in Trump instead of the more sane characters who, uh, and of course Trump has got a uh, doctor's mandate, hasn't he? And he's used it to assassinate um, Khomeini, uh, uh, Soleimani. And uh, there's not, n not a sign of strength at all. It's a sign of weakness on the part of the United States. And like making use of the idiot we've got here is a sign of weakness on the part of the British ruling class. Ian? Okay, yeah. Well, just a few points, scattered poetry. I mean, in terms of like, what Yasmin said about the uh, Iranian left, I think her analogy with Tuday is, is somewhat slightly off the mark. Because I think that one of the differences is. Uh, uh, we say that, that, that part of the Iranian left actually uh, basically goes along with and, and cheers for the regime change people and the, uh, uh, the Mujahideen and all that sort of thing, and basically the agents of the American, of American imperialism. Oh, I mean, in, in, in 1979, the, the Tudeh party cheered for Khomeini and was, became... Uh, um, you know, became became basically um, you know capitulated to Khomeini's popularity. But what they didn't actually do is, is is align with people who were basically trying to 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 to, you know, to to conquer or at least subjugate Iran. You know, what these people are doing, I think, is even worse. They are, you know, Iran is Iran is uh, Iran is not an imperialist country. I mean, it, it, you know, it's obviously it has its uh, uh, its complexities and, and, and the questions of national oppression within Iran. Uh, obviously, that, that does arise, and that's very important. But Iran is not an imperialist country. And what these people are doing is they're lining up with the worst enemies of uh, uh, of, of, of the liberation of, of all people in Iran. Really, you know, uh, the Shia clergy benefited from the uh, uh, yeah in, in, after after the uh, Mossadegh thing benefited from the 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 complete collapse of the left. Uh, and and, and uh, the collapse of secularism and whatever, because it was a defeat of Mossadegh. But what they're doing is they're prostituting themselves to U.S. imperialism, which is far, far worse. You know. Um, so I think you know the, we have to face up to the fact that, that, that what, what what there is of a left in Iran there doesn't seem to be much of a left in Iran. Not a genuine left. You know, the genuine left will not align with with the worst enemies of their own their own people. You know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I agree with a lot of what Moshe said, but I think his analysis was very close to what I think about the, uh, uh, the situation. I think, yes, there is a, the, the, you, you could actually draw a separation between what the Americans uh, would like to do and certainly what's in the best interest of US imperialism. It's entirely uh, um, appropriate. I mean, the Iran deal itself, Obama's Iran deal, a symptom of, uh, of what would be a rational relationship between the United States and Iran. And Iran could become a client of US imperialism, you know, uh, a fairly powerful client. There are other parts, you know, outside of the Middle Eastern region, there are all sorts of client states of, of US imperialism that don't get pulverized 
uh, by American imperialism when they offend a, thir a certain third party. Uh, because that third party, which we, I mean, Moshe talks about at length, Israel, is very important in the Middle East, and, and, and its wishes are considered very important. You know, I mean, it's always about the Philippines. I wasn't aware, actually, that the Philippines actually supported uh, the assassination of Soleimani. You know, I do have some sort of personal connections with the Philippines. That hadn't percolated its way to me. But uh, uh, if that's true, that's, well... That's a peculiarity of their own relationship as a, as a long-time ex-American colony and whatever, you know, and, and a client state of the United States. But that's a normal sort of relationship, you know. Um, a normal sort of, but you, you could, I mean, Iran could have a relationship like that with the United States, but Israel says no, you know. Israel does all, everything that Moshe uh, says that Israel is planning to do has been planned for a very long time. and, and uh, and there is, there is a political, you know, this question of the tail wagging the dog, which I think is a bad analogy. There is, there is a political reason why Israel's wishes seem to become, uh, be able to sabotage that, that possibility. And I think that really comes back to a, a debate we've been having for many years about what is, what is involved in uh, uh, why, they, why this happens. And uh, I think I've, yeah, we, we, we in Socialist Fight have addressed this in, in, in some of the, the, the writings we put forward on, uh, uh, you know, on, on the question of the, the actual relationship between US imperialism and the, the, the very strong Zionist faction in the ruling class, which is based on a form of ethnic politics. And I think some sections of the Jewish left that actually now accept this. Like, I was reading articles in Mondo Weiss about this and basically put down. Uh, the whole inability of the US to solve the Palestinian question to that faction, that, that Jewish ethnic faction in the American ruling class and the strength of it, you know, that's becoming a popular view now on some parts of the, of the left, you know, on the, on the Jewish left, uh, because it's obviously true, and Moshe, what Moshe says almost parallels that, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, there's some very dire uh, predictions about what could happen, you know, um, in terms of the Palestinians, and uh, um, and obviously, you know, I think, you know, that, that that we in the West have a particular responsibility, not only to, obviously, we, we're not we're, we're not supporters of the of, of the regime in Iran, you know, we do not support the uh, uh, the the you know uh, uh, that, the, the Islamism of the, of the regime. It's it's, it's uh, this particular ideology, and uh, we are in favour of it by being overthrown by the working class. And it's it's not entirely clear to me what the nature of this uh, of the movement that's that, that, that's erupted, which is in parallel with uh, a lot of other movements around the world, as far away as Chile and and, uh, uh, and various you know Ecuador and places like that. You know, there's been a, a rise of, of, of protest movements and radicalisation around the world, including in Iraq, actually. You know. It's not entirely clear to me what the uh, um, what 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 the, the essential thrust of this is, and it's probably not very clear to the people involved either. But I do, you know, I think we ought to be on our guard that in the, in the Arab Spring, uh, in the absence of, of revolutionary uh, of, of, of a revolutionary uh, organisation internationally that can take command of these things, all sorts of people can take command of that of a spontaneous mass movement, and that's what happened in Libya. Yeah, it was taken over by pro-imperialist forces very, very quickly. And they tried to do it in Syria. It became it's more problematic. There was more polarisation. And you got civil war. But, you know, um, 
the imperialist forces still played a major role. So, I mean, this is, this is a conundrum, isn't it? I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, that you, spontaneous upheavals will happen. And, you know, you can't just bow to spontaneity uh, and, and just cheer for it. Because without a revolutionary organisation that actually is, is opposed to things like colour revolutions and all this sort of thing, you know, then you'll get that happening. The imperialists are capable of manoeuvring and taking command of, of uh, spontaneous movements. So I think you know, that, that's the point we need to make. Okay, I'm going to take myself next. Then I've got Jim who stuck his hand up. Anybody else want to indicate this present moment? Sorry, the corridor at the back, I get the name? Simpson's my name. Simpson. Son of Sim. Hmm? As in Son of Sim. No. Simpson. Simpson, okay. Um, anybody else? Just so I've got a bit of a list. Okay. Um, just myself. I, uh, uh, Yasmin said that these, these assassinations are acts of war. I don't think they are acts of war. Um, I think they're just murders. And the reality, actually, I think, uh, uh, how shall I put this? It's been almost impossible to say this for years now. In essence, taking military action without an overt declaration of war is murder when you kill people uh, overseas uh, by military action. It's piracy when you uh, uh, seize ships, as the British did uh, in enforcing the United States unilateral sanctions. And it's conspiracy to steal when you implement US financial sanctions uh, in relation. It's just ordinary crime. You know, it's worth flagging that up because in, in, in essence <coughs> the United States Constitution says that the, the, the power to declare war is in the Congress of the United States not in the President and the Presidents have asserted that because they have to uh, they are the Commander in Chief of the Armed Forces that they're nonetheless entitled to take military action without declaring war this is post, it's a post-Second World War development that uh, anybody regards this as being anything other than ordinary crime when it's done without a declaration of war. Um, indeed, it's already understood in the Middle Ages that there's a difference between levying war in the Queen's realm, which is treason, uh, King's realm, Queen's realm, which is treason, in which case you make an overt declaration of war against the King or Queen, uh, and on the other hand, uh, just killing people as various bishops and important people did and got prosecuted for ordinary murder. Um, second off, uh, there's a history, uh, Moshe referred to the history of targeted Israeli targeted assassinations. There is a history which goes a long way back, which is that the British state, uh, the Restoration Monarchy in 1660 assassinated, exiled uh, parliamentarians and uh, uh, Cromwellians and Republicans in, in Switzerland, Netherlands, kidnapped them and rendered them. Uh, we had a <coughs> statute of the uh, um, Habeas Corpus Act 1679 contains prohibit pro provisions criminalising extraordinary rendition of suspects to Scotland and places in the Channel Islands where they would be tortured. Um, so that this regime, this relationship, Moshe, you said it's, there's a revenge quality to it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. In the same way, these yeah. these 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 guys who were assassinated overseas were not threats to the restoration no. regime. It was purely and simply acts of revenge. I think actually that also relates to the stuff about uh, Iran. Yeah. Yasmin made the point. The fifty-two targets. Yeah. This is about and the expression terrorism, the way in which the expression terrorism is used in the United States, is about people, Hezbollah and Iran. It's about Hezbollah because of the uh, um, Marine barracks bombing in Beirut, in Beirut back in the 80s. Yeah? The United States, uh, it's, it's right, the comrade here said, the United States is in relative decline in the same way that Britain was in relative decline in the 1860s, 1870s, which is not to say that it's in absolute decline, it's just to say that other countries catching up have caught up to some extent. Because it's in relative decline, it needs to assert its uh, military superiority um, and it needs to take revenge on anybody who disses the United States. And Saddam Hussein, the Ba'ath regime in Iraq, was, <coughs> wasn't, was absolutely contrary to the United States' strategic interest to overthrow the Ba'ath regime in Iraq. The, uh, Iranian regime loved it. Yeah. Uh, it was done because the United States needed to say you can't get away with dissing the United States. The same is true of the United States and Iran. Um, Obama also carried on the targeted assassinations policy. We just don't get as much. It was more about guys in Yemen and uh, in Afghanistan and so on and so forth. Drone. So we, because there's a sort of uh, left loves Obama type thing, uh, we hide from that circumstance. Uh, finally, why does the United States state, this is a United States state interest. There is a United States state interest in negative control, negative control of the oil taps in the Middle East. It's not an interest in, uh, there is some in United States interest in controlling the oil price, allowing, pushing the oil price up, moving the oil price down from day to day with a view to the advantage of particular companies which have uh, 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 futures contracts and so on and so forth. But uh, it's a strategic United States advantage which was very visible and was a British interest in was why the British had to go to war in 1914 in order to stop the Berlin Baghdad Railway. It's behind lies behind the Sykes Picot Agreement and the uh, original creation of the uh, um, idea of Palestine as a homeland for the Jewish people in 1917 uh, 19. Um, it was behind uh, the uh, Gallipoli offensive in the First World War and in uh, the British operations in Mesopotamia in the First World War um, and in, for that matter, in uh, uh, Egypt, Jordan, what's now Palestine, in Palestine in the First World War. He said, and in the United States, the, the, the fact that Germany was forced to make oil out of petrol, out of coal in the Second World War, yeah. <coughs> the strategic policy is to starve 
rive, potential rivals, and you starve potential rivals by keeping your hand on the taps of the major oil supplies. You keep your hand on the taps, it's negative control. It's not positive control to get keep oil cheap. It's negative control to make sure that the Chinese or the Germans or the French aren't, don't get out of control. And from that point of view, it's a United States interest. The American left is terribly... The American left wants to believe that it's the Zionist lobby in the United States because they don't want to believe that their own country is the world's <coughs> biggest terrorist state, which is what it is. Sorry, I've gone on too long. Um, Jim. Uh, <coughs> if there is comments, I'll try and keep some sort of order. Uh, what Yasmin was saying earlier about uh, Iran uh, making a deal with the US, they've tried several times, haven't they, uh, over Afghanistan, for instance, and being knocked back every time. Because it's, I think it's not so much that the Americans don't want Iran to have a deal, but they want Iran to have an open deal, bend the knee, and actually uh, show that they are doing as they're told. Um, and the US interest, uh, well, as Mike has just said, yeah, it, and it's not just oil, it's obedience as well. Uh, they are the empire, they want people to recognise that. And in the case of the um, project for the new American century, uh, that was about who controls the Middle East mm. and who controls the oil, who controls, yes, as Mike said, the, uh, the, the taps for the rest of the world. Uh, but the Americans also desperately need uh, that oil is paid for in dollars and that they control the money flow as well as the oil flow around the world. Uh, mention on war on terror, uh, sorry, on terrorism. Uh, war on terror, there was a recent article, I can't remember where, pointing out the bleeding obvious, I suppose, that uh, the, the, the more intense the war on terror and the longer it's gone on the more terrorism there is around the world uh, and, that, and that's apart from US and Israeli terrorism but I mean just people, suicide bombers and the like um, another question for Israel if I, I don't know how far they're bothered but any major attack on the Palestinians makes things like the anti-Semitism smear campaign in Britain rather more difficult to carry on. And I see the Americans are doing it now as well. Uh, Trump has said that all these Democrats who don't support Israel are actually anti-Semitic. Uh, Ilan Omar, of course, is a well-known anti-Semite in the States, just as Corbyn is in the Britain. Uh, <laughs> So, Israeli military operations against the Palestinians make that more difficult. Say, again, whether they're particularly bothered about that, I don't know. Um, on the, Ian's point about the left in Iran, I think it's worth emphasising, I mean, everybody knows, I suppose, I mean, they've had one hell of a time, haven't they? Uh, True. All through the Shah's reign, uh, the mosque was about the only place where you could go without necessarily being uh, 
listened to all the time by the police and being whipped off to jail. So the Shah killed leftists, the Comedian Co have killed leftists. It's, they've got a bit more of a problem than we have, and we've got enough problems. Uh, and also on the, the Chile and, and, and so on, yes, there's uprisings all over the world, I and mean, we see that. And corruption is seems to be the cry of pretty much all of them. I mean, in Iraq, uh, it's not been so much about religious issues, it has been about corruption. And the same in Chile, and the same in France, and all over the place. And of course, that corruption means a lot more because of the crises all around the world. And so, just a couple more things. Might be talking about murder, and of course, collateral damage is murder as well, isn't it? If you if you kill one person and kill their family as well, that's murder. It doesn't matter who's if it's the American government doing it or, or British government or any other government. It's still murder. And that brings me back to the thing I thought right at the beginning. We asked me in talking about people in Iran having the fear of being bombed. It's something, of course, we, we only have in the abstract, mostly. I don't know if anyone's had personal uh, fear of that. Uh, you know, I think if... You know, what if you're a, a doctor or a shopkeeper or uh, a small farmer or something in Iraq and somebody decides that shock and awe is the thing to do and they kill your family and bomb your house and that's something we haven't had to put up with. Uh, it's and it's clearly something that nobody else should have to put up with either and it's something like just as a sort of parallel people are seeing in Australia now that maybe global warming isn't an abstraction either you know maybe there's something real there there are actually white people who are <coughs> suffering this Simpson Yes, three major issues here come from the, the wise man of the front. What I would like him to re-emphasize or elaborate a little more, and he mentioned the assassination as a, a means of revenge. You've had that since the Roman Empire I mean, in terms of political power, terror, and other things. The other is that it's, you mentioned the need for war in the West Bank and I call West, it's Middle East generally. In his experience, in terms of destabilization, does he believe we have come to the end of the of the reign of all the kings of Saud, Hashemites, all the ones mentioned, and all the old social infrastructure power and shakedowns, etc., etc.? Does he really believe that? The desperation mentioned earlier about the Western power st structure or restructuring imperialism with reference to the US losing economic power around the world and the fact that Obama did have a signed contract, a properly signed deal for peace in the Middle East, well at least with Iran, not so much with the whole Middle East, and the whole world saw it and it was well-structured, well-organized, and in my experience, why is it that 
Trump decided to rip it off, basically. Okay, not technically, but then he, he chucked it in the dustbin. Hopefully not in the dustbins of history. So what does the speaker believe in terms of regional dynamics of that region? Deals, obedience, and American interference. We've led to believe the hype that, okay, America rules and nobody else has any stake or any say in what goes on when America decides to destabilize three countries and about to destabilize the fourth in terms of war and terror as an excuse to bomb civilians into the Stone Age, which is what, quote, one of their foreign ministers said back in the time of Saddam. All that hype, and now what have we got here? In terms of the, the, the gentleman, the, the, they went after a, a military commander. You mean to tell us, those of us who are not into military war and disorder, that America murders a high-ranking commander but expects the rest of the world, including the Middle East, you notice how quiet the West went about the fact that it was a murder mentioned earlier. How is it that America then expects the whole of the Iranian format to be quiet about it and then expect Iran to pretend that all is well, that ends well, because America has got away with it? Is revenge really an issue here? Or can diplomacy ever be part of it? Okay, um, Jerry, we're running a little short of time, so if you could be quick. As quick as I can. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was in the same room yesterday, just debating the same subject mm -hmm. with a, a, a different group of people. Yeah, um, it was the uh, AWL, and as we all know, the AWL's front page has uh, US-Iran, a clash of imperialisms. <laughs> that was the, 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 the what was happening in the... Um, <coughs> A bit of a report in the meeting, uh, there was four different uh, Iran-Iraqi communist groups here uh, that, that, that contributed, uh, and most of them actually were quite uneasy with, 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 with that line, uh, and, 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 and some of them that spoke directly opposed it, uh, because uh, while, whilst they, 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 they thought that, that uh, the, this, this was a wildly um, reactionary regime uh, in, in, in Iran. Uh, and nonetheless, it, it was not an imperialist regime in, in, any, uh, in any sense. And, and uh, really, none of, none of the communist groups that, that, that were here, were, uh, well, one, one of them seemed to be a Trotskyist, actually, because after I spoke, he identified himself as a Trotskyist. Now, I, I, thought, I am not too, too politically sure how he was. Anyway, the, the point that he issue was, was really what, what, what happened in, in 79. Uh, what was the role of the Tudor party at the time and, and, and the, 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 the Mujahideen, the left, the, the left really, in, in supporting um, Khomeini really as, a, as an anti-imperialist. Uh, and then what was missing really was, was what the, the, the Trotskyist groups in the that, that intervened in there. The, the Trotskyist groups in the, in, in the, in, on the ground, the, the main one was, was the HKS. And the HKS was the USFI group. Uh, and the USFI group had an internal opposition 
uh, from the, the USSWP, the Baronsites. Hansen had just died earlier, earlier this year. Uh, and, and the Baronsites basically split uh, from the, 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 the HKS. Uh, they split from the HKS uh, in support of the line that, 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 that you, you give an uncritical support, basically, to, 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 uh, to, to Khomeini. Um, the theory was, and this was also held by Jerry Healy and the Workers' Revolutionary Party, that what was happening was an objectively unfolding world revolution. Uh, and this objectively unfolding <coughs> world revolution was now represented by Khomeini, was, was, was the vehicle of, of this objectively unfolding world, world revolution. However, I, I do have to say that the HKS did better than, than anyone there, and it did oppose uh, uh, not alone the the the, uh, the 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 USSWP, but also it opposed the Mandela, the Mandelites, and and took a relatively progressive position. I, I would say they had they had by far the best position of of uh, well, what I would say is a position approximately. <coughs> Approximating to the permanent revolution, they had, they had a position of, of unconditional but critical support against imperialism, but of course no support uh, against their own working class. Uh, the Shoras were mentioned in, 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 in discussion. I mentioned them, and, and a few other people mentioned them. Uh, and the fact that there was no real intervention uh, by, by, by the Trotskyists to, to combat the, the, the influence of the Judah Party. Uh, and, and the Islamicists were within the Shur. Uh and also uh, I, I had a lot of sympathy for the for the uh, the, 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 the comrades from from the region because of course um, the appalling counter-revolution that happened in 1981 uh, was mentioned. The, the woman that was talking said upwards of a hundred thousand. I think maybe that's a that's an exaggeration, but uh, uh, certainly the the the. Uh, the majority of, of, of the left were were, were, uh, were were done in that time. And of course the Tudor party went along with that. And if you mind, Jerry Healy also, he said they were CIA agents and they deserved what they got basically uh, for opposing the world revolution. Uh, and then of course the, the, the logic went through to its end and the Tudor party itself got it in the neck because uh, that was their reward for, 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 for uh, um, scuppering the revolution. I, I, I've some, I have some hope in the region now because what, what, what's happened was that the initial uprisings in Iraq and Iran were genuine uh, popular uprisings against corruption and against oppression. Of course, imperialism does wish to, 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 to control these, it make every effort to control them, of course. But uh, what, what, what's happened now is, is, is that it, it, it has turned these movements strongly towards anti-imperialism. Well, a working class movement that's strongly anti-imperialist is very difficult to control by imperialism. So I, I have some hope that the class consciousness uh, of, of the masses is developing. Uh, it's certainly developed in places like Chile and, 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 uh, and, and other places. Uh, and, and that's the, the, the reactionary character, undoubted reactionary character of, of the Iranian uh, uh, Intervention against that movement uh, is, is is being as being opposed uh, on the ground because it wasn't just Shia a Shia uprising; it was a, a giant Shia and sort of Sunni uprising, surely, uh, as I understand it. So, uh, 
Um, I, I have big hopes in, in, in the development of the revolutionary situation there. Okay, I, Peter just pointed out to me that we aren't, I was thinking we were due to finish at 7, and we aren't actually due to finish at 7, so uh, there is time for, if there are more people who want to speak. And then, yes, I'll, I'll, then I'll, so I'll take just the one more list and then I'll bring... Because it's getting too long. Yeah. Is that at half past seven? Okay. So I've got... Uh, sorry, I can't remember your name. Michael. Michael, Phil. I've got John first. John, Michael, Phil. Sorry? Fred. 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 Uh -huh. You should know him as your former comrade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my reading glasses on. <laughs> So, John. Okay, thanks. Um, I'm sceptical, Jerry, that uh, and Jim, that we want to join Chile, Ecuador, Bolivia, France, Iraq, Iran, and one can just carry on down the list into one united, seamless uh, movement. No, I, I don't think so. I think we actually need to look in each uh, country and each uh, region for specific causes. Otherwise, we get into the overthrow of uh, Morales or whatever the regime there was, and we link that to um, Chile. Uh, I'd actually say they are different things. So, you know, again, uh, what's going on in Venezuela? Um, is that the same thing? Well, I, I'm very sceptical, and I just don't see uh, that. I can say that there's discontent, and if that's the profundity uh, of my world analysis, that people aren't happy, I don't think that will get us uh, uh, very far. Um, in terms of um, the left in Iran, well, any left that's been subject to persecution of the sort that uh, the Iranian left has been subject to, of course, we hold out solidarity and we, we look at the comrades. And, you know, I've known many uh, of the comrades because I came across Iranian comrades, what, 81? Mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're, they're rushing into exile uh, just for Yasmin's uh, benefit and amusement. Of course, I was assured that the regime is so unstable it will only be, only be a, a matter of months before this thing collapses. Um, well, here it is. Um, the point I would make about the left, however much human sympathy we've got, uh, that we don't want to lose our critical facilities. And if you look at the Iranian left, you don't want to be in a position, certainly not sitting here in Britain, and that you want to... You know, told you so, right? But nonetheless... If we want to look at, you know, here's a punishment that you're bringing upon yourself mm -hmm. and the lessons still aren't learnt, here it is. And that's what Yasmin's saying. She's not saying that they are today, but if you want to look at a left that brought a punishment on itself, Jerry, you've already made the point, exactly. <coughs> there you are, you know, long live Khomeini's line. What was it? The Imam's, Imam's line, line. Right? Well, okay, the Imam then turns upon you and crushes you. And that's the point that Yasmin is making about the today's left that is basically saying anybody is better than uh, the Ayatollahs. Well, wait, wait until the Ayatollahs are gone and look at Iraq, which is next door, and tell us that's better. This is the AWL line, that if you were to throw these regimes 
we'll have normal trade unionism and we can be like the West. And they said that about Iraq, they said that about Libya, and that's been their world view. That is shit. And for the left to go along with that, I don't want to be in a situation where I want to say to another bunch of leftists, left comrades, I should say, told you so. But this is what is happening at the present time. And it's not only left-wing comrades that will suffer, it's ordinary people in Iran, Iraq, and Libya. And life has got not just worse, has it? But if you want to talk about barbarism and living hell, there's an illustration uh, of it, that the United States' victory in overthrowing these regimes does not bring anything but chaos and human suffering. And anybody like the AWL that equates the victim country in this situation with the, the victimizer just is completely hopeless. Uh, I would also add, by the way, again for Jim's, well, I don't see education, they also have a whole number of pages in their latest edition of Solidarity with the headline clash of two imperialism sort of idea uh, about the whole question of the left's anti-Semitism. And Jim, you were saying that uh, the Israeli military campaign means that uh, this becomes more difficult. I profoundly disagree with you. I think that's why it becomes necessary to continue this campaign of lies, right? Because here you are, Israel's preparing to do something big. The United States, not because the number of Jews, uh, you know, uh, Ian, right, in the, in the ruling class, got nothing to do with that. And that's what Moshe went out to show. Trump didn't give the go-ahead to this particular action because of the number of Jews. Uh, uh, well, that's right, right? Uh, in the US ruling class. He did it because this is in the interest, perceived interest, by Trump, this is in the interest of the United States. Anyway, my main point is that precisely because uh, of the war danger, this becomes more and more necessary. Hence, my, not surprised, but my disappointment with Rebecca Long Bailey. Right? I would not only press the button, right, I'm an ally with the United States, NATO, she goes along with the anti-Semitism campaign and apparently is prepared to sign up by some British Board of Deputies yeah. uh, wish list, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, not to let Jackie Walker, Mark Wadsworth, Ken Livingston and other such, would have been you Moshe on that list, <laughs> oh, you got away from it, but not to let them back into the Labour Party. You know, I live in Hampstead, right? and we had some nutter going around with doing Star of David 9-11. This made, you know, this is an event you would have thought might make the news in the Hampstead and High Express, right? This made the news, you know, in the Financial Times, in the Express, in the Mail, in the Sun. Right? What the hell is that all about? You know, and then you have in the Financial Times then comparing that with Nazi Germany. Well, this isn't rational, is it? This is about actually making, you know, boycott and disinvestment illegal. This is about actually silencing the left who will object to uh, uh, what's going to get what Israel is going to do. If you object, you're an anti-Semite. That's clearly what's going on. And the fact that some sections of the left are prepared to go along with that, that some sections of the left, uh, you know, want to keep silent under these circumstances, I think exactly is the point. So I don't think uh, that, um, you know, uh, 
Israel's military actions and the, the terrorism uh, of Israel making it more difficult for them, no, it makes it more necessary. Expect more and more and more of this stuff. Anyway, just a couple other points. Um, Quick. Yeah, I know. I'm not convinced by your thesis, Mike, that we should describe this simply as murder or, or as piracy or robbery. I mean, all I need to say, I, I think I'm right, the Vietnam War, right? What, what Congress approved of the Vietnam War? Yeah, and yet we would all call it war. War is the continuation of policy, politics by other means. Uh, seems to me to be a very good case of uh, um, th th this is war. Uh, what we have, I think, just and I'll finish with this, is with the killing of this um, commander in the Revolutionary Guards. The significance of it is, is that this is the United States killing a state actor and then declaring it. Right? This was not a covert killing, this was an overt killing. Right? So of course the United States is assassinated before, but it usually says we don't discuss such issues. This time we've got the open declaration, we did it, um, that is a change. Uh, this is an attack on the Iranian state and it's overtly stated to be as such. Okay, Michael. I'm wondering if the assassination was to do with something to do with the internal politics of the Christians in the, in the US, because they seem to have known particular dynamic approaches to uh, what they see priorities in the Middle East are, and uh, uh, Trump does is very much beholden to, to that part of the of the Republicans. Um, the other thing is, is regarding uh, the AWL. I feel that uh, the AWL would be happy to would consider a piece of broken out in the Middle East until most of the countries have become scotched earth situations. But the question that's tiny question I have for Yasmin and maybe Moshe may be able to throw in it as well. Dave, what's your opinion on this replacement to Soleimani? Do any of you particularly know about it that I haven't seen in the UK media? Uh, the replacement to Soleimani. Do you know guys we killed? Okay, sorry, I can't Gareth. Jared. Gareth. Gareth. Right, sorry, I just I don't know. Um, Phil. Yeah, um, Justice Schrober, it does seem to me that American policy is irrational uh, towards the Middle East. Uh, it's all very well Trump sort of saying, oh well, we'll bomb 52 cultural places. I mean, maybe he means by that he's going to bomb mosques when there's nobody in them. But it does sound like uh, it could also be that he's going to bomb cities, 52 Iranian cities, uh, and kill tens of thousands of people. Um, you just don't know uh, quite what uh, is going to happen next. But if you've got the sort of policy that says that you're going to up the stakes all the time, and you're not going to be dissed, at some point don't the Americans have to go in heavy on Iran? Don't they have to uh, put their man in charge again, the, the, a new Shah? Isn't that the, uh, the problem is that war, a big war in the Middle East is becoming more and more likely. It's not just a question of uh, negative controls uh, over the oil caps. It's something that uh, well, if you've got a big mouth, eventually you have to put your foot in it. Um, 
The other thing, I think, is that uh, a side that will be strengthened by uh, what uh, Trump has done is um, the Islamist uh, fundamentalists. I think uh, we can look forward to more suicide attacks. I mean, that's uh, bad luck both for the person that commits suicide, but also for the people that get killed. And so we can't assume that we're not going to get killed here. Some of us may. <laughs> <coughs> okay, so I'm, I'm going to take uh, uh, Fred and then Gareth, um, and then I'm going to have to. I'm going to ask the other the speakers to come back in because we're running out. I have a very quick question. <laughs> okay, you have a question. Yeah, from Moisha, I think. Um, which is why? Why does he think it's so easy for um, uh, Labour Party, you know, politicians to switch from when they're accused of sort of coddling anti-Semitism to switch immediately to coddling right-wing Zionism? So that's it, Fred. Yeah, very quick. Just, uh, just uh, Jerry was talking about the position of the USEC section at that time. I wanted to clarify that certainly I, it was a major part of the debate in the armchair in Britain, as Michael will remember, uh, when uh, Grogan, who became the leader of Barnsites, was the uh, USEC man in um, Tehran and came back and boasted about chanting Allah Akbar and this led to the famous spark slogan two four six eight as Grogan still think God is great. <laughs> um, but um, and but the, the fact was that the majority of us were very, very clear that this was the beginning of the exit of the Barnsites from any understanding that we had of Trotskyism and permanent revolution because it was coupled at the same time with agreeing with the ANC program of limiting the South African revolution to the National Democratic Revolution. It was very, very clear what the trajectory was, so I just want to clarify that. Thanks. Regarding the uh, question about um, religiosity and the Christian religion, I think that is extremely important and often underrated by the left because we don't tend to think in, in religious terms. Uh, Mike Pompeo, who was head of the CIA for a year, is now um, head of the State Department. He's a sufficiently religious, uh, committed Christian that he teaches Sunday school and is a church deacon. Mike Pence, vice president, of course, is the uh, head of an evangelical uh, faction, in effect. Uh, uh, Bob Barr, the uh, attorney general, is an absolutely uh, fanatical uh, Catholic who is attempting to reconstruct the American society so that it enacts Christian principles. So this Christian drive with its special interest in Armageddon, which will happen in Israel, uh, and can only happen in Israel when Israel exists as an independent state, that drives a huge function, uh, a huge uh, uh, fraction of American <coughs> policy, I think. So. Okay, so I'm going to ask just a, a few replies to points that have been made. Yes, the anti-Semitism campaign is going to intensify the false anti-Semitism campaign. And this connects to the last question. The anti-Semitism campaign or the, the, the false accusations is very little to do with real anti-Semitism. So you, you can be an anti-Semite like uh, our uh, uh, Prime Minister, present Prime Minister, whose uh, uh, book that you may not have read, 72 Virgins, 
is uh, replete with racist and anti-Semitic uh, uh, <coughs> and, and be a campaigner against anti-Semitism in the sense that it has been redefined. You see, the, uh, uh, one, one of the, the uh, uh, supporters, the ardent supporters of this campaign against anti-Semitism is the uh, Orban, the, the Hungarian anti-Semite. Because anti-Semitism has been redefined as uh, anti-Zionism is the new, the new meaning of anti-Semitism. And I have news for you. This is going to intensify precisely because of what Israel is planning and what the United States is, is planning. Uh, and now it, the, the definition of so-called anti-Semitism has been redefined uh, uh, again. Uh, now I, 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 my ear is close to the ground in this because this is, this is you know, something that I, I, I regard as, as you know, close to me. Uh, in, the, in the Labour Party, uh, in, the rec in a recent meeting by someone who is closely connected with the Jewish Labour Movement, I've heard a new extension of what anti-Semitism <coughs> Anti-imperialism is also a disguise for anti-Semitism. <laughs> yes, uh, don't, don't the, this this sounds funny, but it will not be funny when it is actually applied. Anti-imperialism, anti-imperialism. You see, uh, this of course li li leaves out the AWL because they are they are the social imperialists. But uh, 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 any anyone on the left who is going to, I mean, uh, in in in. Uh, uh, the context of a future uh, Middle East war, for example, is going to take an anti-imperialist uh, um, position, is going to be accused of anti-Semitism. And for why? Because uh, one of the, uh, you see, you, you need various justifications for war. What is, what is going to be the justification of the war against Iran uh, by the United States? obviously is to uh, uh, defend Israel against a second holocaust. That would be, that would be a, a, a suitable pretext for a war against Iran. Because uh, 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 Iran has been accused of wanting to wipe out Israel. This is, you know, the, the Israeli generals don't, don't think so. And they, they are on record and saying this is rubbish. I mean, they are not going to and they are unable to. But this, is, this is, 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 has become a sort of an accepted truth uh, among all the, the lies that are, have been accepted as, as truth. And, and so uh, if you are going to oppose, um, uh, uh, as an anti-imperialist, you are going to oppose this, this war, you are being anti-Semitic because you are against uh, defending Israel against the uh, uh, Holocaust. So this, this, is, this is what, what we uh, uh, must uh, uh, expect. Now, uh, 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 I want to clarify that when I said that uh, most of these um, assassinations are revenge assassination, revenge in this context is another name for punishment. It is, it is a, a, a mafia, a mafia kind of uh, tactic, punish whoever dissed you. So, uh, and of course, it works better <laughs> if it is admitted. I mean, uh, uh, in the, in the past, most of uh, Israel's and the United States uh, targeted assassinations 
were not admitted, <coughs> were not advertised. But uh, uh, to make to make the, the point more clearly and to, to intimidate uh, opponents, it works better if, if you actually say, yes, I mean, we did it, and fuck you. I mean, this, the, the, we, we don't care. So this is, this is what it, it's about. Finally, a very serious question, why has Trump overturned the uh, agreement that Obama came to? This is, this is, this is a, a, a really serious question. And I think it has a, 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 a two answers which are not uh, mutually exclusive. There is a, a point of uh, uh, Trump's personal idiosyncrasies. I mean, he's got, he, you know, he notoriously he doesn't behave completely rationally, uh, and he has taken a point of of undoing everything to do with Obama's name. It, it, if it's Obamacare, if it's uh, the, the nuclear treaty, and so on. So this is this is a personal aspect, but beyond this, I think there is a serious thing about the the the, the way the American ruling class is dealing with the uh, relative decline of the United States. No uh, uh, ruling class in history, as far as I know, is completely unanimous. I mean, they are always, you know, they are after all, you know, they are people. And people disagree. People genuinely disagree. So it's not, uh, uh, you, you know, we think that the ruling class uh, uh, acts in the in the interests of the ruling class. Well, no, they act in what they perceive as the interests of the ruling class. And what they perceive may differ from between factions, both because they differ in interests and also simply because they they have different opinions. And the the American ruling class both because of its material interests and because of opinions is divided between those who uh, would like to manage American decline gently and so to, to, as it were, do a soft landing and those who want to resist it by force, you know, fighting, you know, trying to reverse or to, to undo the, 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 the movement of history. And I think that uh, 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 Trump or uh, the more serious, the less you know, unstable, personally unstable uh, uh, people who, who are supporting him belong to this second category that you, who, who uh, don't agree with managing a soft landing for American uh, decline, but who would like to uh, counteract it by uh, force if necessary. the anti-war protest. I think there is a, an element of uh, precipitating and duplicating such protests that undermines their uh, seriousness. Mm -hmm. So if you call for anti-war demonstrations every Saturday since an event has taken place, it loses its uh, validity. And uh, last Saturday was I think a spontaneous gathering, as far as I can tell, um, which probably got a larger crowd. The reputation of Iran's Islamic Republic, not in terms of its opposition, because I never call it anti-imperialist. I don't consider this government at all anti-imperialist. A government 
whose debt to the IMF makes it follow neoliberal economic policies has no, no place being defined as an anti-imperialist country. It's anti-West. At times, as reactionary as Daesh was anti-West. It's an anti... Um, it presents itself. It's not even anti-West because, as most Iranians have pointed out, all of, the, all of these senior ayatollahs, their children are outside Iran in the US or somewhere else. But there's this pretense of being anti-West. In these situations, I think people don't take this government seriously in its claims of opposition. Like maybe they do. But anyway, I think the number of demonstrations is very important. You call a proper demonstration, you organize for it, you have meetings preceding it, you have the trade unions backing it. You don't just call every week for people to go for the sake of having a gas. On the Iranian left and Ian's point, I, I agree that the politics are completely different. I'm not equating that. What I was equating was the concept of united front. So Tudor got in the mess it got because it believed in forming the united front with anybody who opposed the Shah's dictatorship. And our new left are saying, well, we, it's the main thing is getting rid of the Islamic Republic. And you say, for what? What exactly is going to replace them? And they have no answer. But as soon as you criticize the Shah's son, they say, oh, but you must be defending the Islamic Republic. And that is irrational. That comment in itself is irrational in my view. I also was not talking about the left inside Iran. I think 30 years, 40 years in exile corrupts anyone. And <laughs> in our case of the Iranian left, it has corrupted many of them or made them completely uh, mad or whatever. Inside Iran, that isn't the case. I am surprised. Every time I talk to postdoctoral students in my university who have recently come out of Iran, I am surprised at how left-wing they are, how clear-minded they are, how very, much, very often they know a lot more about left-wing politics than I do. And I, I, have, I am not talking about people inside Iran. I'm talking about the exiled left. And the exiled left is what we see on social media. The, Iranian, the, the genuine left is not. Uh, fortunately, many of them are doing better things than getting involved in silly arguments than the rest of the exiled left is doing. Um, I think Iran protests of November were very significant because they were to do with subsidies because it was the follow-up of an IMF diktat <coughs> to stop um, field subsidies. It was the poorer sections of the populations that were on the street. And the brutality of the regime cannot be underestimated in this. And it's because of that that I think the demonstrations of yesterday were important, because the students were following up where the protest movement of November couldn't achieve what it couldn't have gone into more political slogans. The slogans of November were completely general. It was just about the item, this issue in, in case. And they were in, in themselves followed by the student protest, uh, which were much more um, connecting economy and political economy and the role of the state. Um, the question of Iran becoming a new 
somebody mentioned, and I repeat it, Iran has bent backwards on a number of occasions. What to, to help or to be close to the United States and the West in the last 20, 25 years. In particular, about Iraq and Afghanistan. On, in the case of Afghanistan, there is a memoirs of General Croker. I suggest <coughs> uh, they, he, he very clearly says that the Revolutionary Guards produced, uh, had a, they had a meeting with the American military about bombing Taliban positions in Afghanistan. Revolutionary Guards had a map, and Crocker thought this map was just for advising. Uh, and at the end of it, he asked them, can we have some more information? Can we keep it? And they just gave the map to the guy. You know, this was spotlight indicating where the bombings should be. In, soon after that was Bush's uh, speech, the, the three axes of evil, evil. And that was the end of that aspect of their, if you like, collaboration. And I assume there were lobbies in the US that called for it. Whatever happened, this collaboration didn't go further. In the case of the Iraq war, Iran was obviously, couldn't have believed it was a gift. How can this happen twice in less than four years that our second enemy is being attacked by the US? And this time, unlike Afghanistan, we have a ready-made government to put in power in Baghdad. Our Shia opposition transition council for the stupid Iranian left, the Iraqis were also called the transition council. The transition council was Shia, and they were all allies of the Islamic Republic. They came to power, what, the day after the, well, the occupation justified the fact that these people had to come back. This horrible constitution, sectarian constitution of Iraq, who passed it? The wonderful allies of Iran's Islamic Republic, the Shia government in Iraq. So Iran again allied itself completely with the United States. What it didn't expect was what happened later. Now, there, you could say it was the sectarianism of the Iraqi government. You could say there were big chunks of Sunni population who were unhappy anyway. But there was also Saudi money that created and helped Al-Qaeda Iraq and later Islamic State. The same, the continuation is the same. So that civil war, in a way, the US for many years was taking a very uh, dubious position about it. Because on the one hand, it didn't want to support the Muqtada Assad, the Shias, the supporters of Iran in the South, nor did it want to fight seriously the Sunnis, the, the Saudi-financed uh, Sunni opposition. It was, their aim was mainly to just get the Basists within Iraqi Al-Qaeda, not the, uh, if you like, Salafis, not the Jihadists. Anyway, it's a long story, but Iran has tried to ally itself. There's two aspects to Iran's, uh, if you like, association with the West. One is, except on the nuclear deal, it wants to do it in secret. Because, why? And I will explain in a minute. Um, in secret, in that, at least in internal propaganda, Iran never uh, claimed that we were helping the US in Afghanistan. 
in terms of Iraq, it never agreed to, to admit to say that. Why? It's its only reason to claim a legitimacy of continuation of 1979. 1979 had three main slogans. Uh, freedom, social justice, and independence, right? Now, the left had its own version of this um, bread, freedom, democracy, <coughs> something like that. But, you know, the, if you like, there were three main items in the Iranian revolution. You could sum it up in these three subjects. We know there's no democracy. I mean, that died almost weeks after the Islamic revolution. Okay, they allowed their own factions and so on, but the left and secular forces didn't have democracy. There's no social justice. Inequality in Iran is now worse than during the Shah. And, and that's not just because they are worse, it's because the world has changed, because capitalism has changed. Inequality throughout the world has now, the gap between the rich and the poor has changed. But corruption, Cronism has added a new dimension to this. So we have no social, we are not going towards social equality. On the reverse, we have got more uh, social division between uh, the poor, rich and the poor. The only thing they can keep any legitimacy is to keep saying, but we are independent. We are not like the Shah, the slaves of the West. We can occasionally shout some slogans about the United States. That's almost what's left of it. And if they don't, if they come and say, okay, not only do we agree to a nuclear deal, but we are going to be the obedient client of the US, that would be difficult to publicize. That would be difficult to sell to ordinary people. And I think that is a problem for them. But at the moment, no one is suggesting that. All they could do would be maybe to reduce um, some of their uh, uh, missile defenses. Of course, their reply would be, but that saved us this time. If we don't have that, we would have been bombed. Right? So these arguments are always going on. In terms of the nuclear policy, I agree entirely with Moshe. This was a policy of getting to the stage when you can have a bomb, but not have a bomb. The reason Trump stops it, I agree entirely. I think there is the two aspects really sum it up, so I don't want to repeat it. But can we go back to that? I think once a deal is dead, it's dead. You can get a new deal, maybe, but I can't imagine how you can get back to this. Um, even if, by any miracle, Trump isn't the president, there has to be a new negotiation now. They can revive some of the existing ones, but it has to be new negotiations, partly because of the new enrichment, the fact that Iran, over the last week, has announced um, further enrichment. And also because inside Iran, the argument is divided in two ways. I will put both arguments to you, because I've heard it a lot. One are people, not necessarily just the government, who are saying, well, we do need to have a nuclear bomb. <coughs> because the only way we can stop the 52 uh, target <coughs> is to have a bomb. Uh, but, and then, since the uh, uh, plane incident, 
people have something else to say. And what they are saying is, <coughs> well, if there is such disdain for human life, such disdain for safety of Iranians, as we witnessed with this plane situation, can anyone trust such a government to have nuclear industry? And this is something that I have said time and time again. My worry about Iran's nuclear industry is not the whether they go to the bomb or not. Is the fact that basic principles about radiation are not followed through. That lives of people who work their lives with people who are associated with are seriously endangered. And I add to that that this is more or less similar to Israel, yes. where it has happened where Israeli lives have been endangered. In their case, because also they got hidden, there was, well, they, for a long time they were saying there was a textile factory and, and so on. And it's very old. And it's very <laughs> old. It's, yeah. And so that is, for both countries, the nuclear uh, scenario has other dangers in addition to what we were talking about. In terms of the uh, replacement of Soleimani, uh, the Iranian government has announced Ismail Ghani as his replacement. Now, I have some recollection, not a lot, I was in Kurdistan where Mr. Ghani was in charge of the uh, uh, Revolutionary Guard, and they were a very, very nasty piece of work in Kurdistan. And uh, if he was their commander, I would fear for any Iranian anywhere any, in the world. Uh, but maybe like Soleimani in his new post, he will be kept away from Iran's situation. He will be held solely responsible for international affairs. That's how Soleimani was moved into Quds army, which is the, if you like, more, um, outer part of, of the uh, area. In terms of DHKS, the splits that happened about supporting or not supporting Khomeini immediately after the Iranian revolution were paralleled in the Trotsky's groups as they were in other organizations, as they were in Maoists, as they were in Marxist, Leninist, whatever. So it is true that the HKS divided in two warring factions. One lot were giving names of the other lot to the security forces on the basis that the opponents of the Islamic Republic must be CIA agents. Uh, our uh, own comrade in Hopi Torah was uh, one of the leading figures of the opposition group, the groups that didn't support Khomeini. Um, and therefore, his life was in danger. We, were, we knew him and we were all well aware that his life was in danger. Um, other, uh, the other faction was present on television, was part of the state, was very much um, associated with the state and um, got its comeuppance when the repression got harder. So uh, when Trotsky's teach uh, the rest of us about how they were really, there was, it was all the first fault of the non-Trotskyists for supporting Khomeini, I always remind them that they don't have a better uh, history than that. The war to replace the Islamic Republic it isn't going to be the war in the way you mention it, Phil. 
I don't think we are envisaging a situation where, um, for example, there will be a, a land invasion, they will arrest Ayatollah Khamenei and then move him to exile, as, uh, uh, as they did with Iraq. Iran is impossible um, to, as I wrote, I think comrades contributed last week, and I mentioned it uh, when I wrote my article. Um, the, the landscape is impossible for a start. Uh, you are talking of a country about three and a half times, four times the size of the UK, but with terrains that's mountainous in the north, uh, a desert in the middle, um, very um, lavish forests in the near the Caspian, you would need at least five or six different types of army to attack invade. There is no appetite in the United States for land, uh, for foot soldiers. There is no, I don't see anyone being able to mobilize forces for such a war. What we are envisaging, what can happen in the Libyan-Syrian scenario, is what the United States has worked so far, and that is a, a, a series of bombings of various places, maybe not the cultural places, because lots of people have said it would be madness to bomb Persepolis, and it wouldn't, I don't think it has any such strategic significance either. <coughs> um, but to bomb, Isfahan either, but to bomb the Revolutionary Guards, the nuclear plants, various other places. Of course, bombing nuclear plants has its own repercussions. You have to take into account uh, what can happen with that and so on. But those kind of things, we the aim to create chaos and to encourage wars of separation, uh, wars of cessation. So you have the Kurds who have been quite active, who want their own states, who have a long history of fighting um, either for independence or for uh, more uh, autonomy. autonomy within Iran. Uh, but at times, depending on, because the leaders of the Kurdish groups have changed position on this so many times, I really would have to count 20 historic moments, but at times they're talking to the Islamic Republic for, the, for autonomy, at times they're talking to the US for um, funds to create an independent state. <coughs> At times they're talking to Iraq uh, and Iraqi Kurdistan. So there's been so many changes in this that we should leave it alone. But suffice to say they want that. The Baluchis want separation. Saudi Arabia has invested a lot of money in the Arab um, population of Iran in Ahbaz in Khuzestan province. So you have that as well. There is the Azari um, Turkish independent movement. So what we will see are attempts at civil wars. And these civil wars, given the fact that from what we saw last week, the government has still got quite a lot of uh, base. Uh, I might not like it, but it seems to have that base. What we are talking about are long, bloody civil wars, which will last for much longer than what we've seen in Iraq or Syria. And that is the scenario that frightens people. It, and for that reason, 
this idea that the Shah's son will get to power is madness. Only an idiot like him who spent most of the last 30 years in casinos could come up with such a scenario. <coughs> no one takes that seriously. What will happen is the destruction of what they call their beloved Iran. So all those, these patriots who are tearing themselves apart about, about their lovely Iran will have no Iran left, is what I'm telling them. But as far as non-patriots like me are concerned, it is recipe for disaster in the region, for the continuation of wars that will basically make the region even worse than what it is now. It is bad now. I'm not saying we have a peaceful region. But we will look at a far worse region. Unless within these protests, within the upheavals of the um, next few months, next few years, we see um, <coughs> that young generation of Iranians who are politically aware, who are active, managing to go beyond where they are now, which is awareness, consciousness, but no organization. Without organization, without political parties, they will become, whether they are aware of it or not, victims of the current scenarios, dark scenarios that unfortunately might await.